Having recently taught a class where we spent an hour on Romans 5 and could easily have spent another two hours unpacking Paul's complicated argument and figuring out its significance for the church today, I cannot imagine preaching a sermon on it in five minutes. So I will head for the four verses of Luke's gospel instead. Just a few weeks ago in the Sunday Eucharistic lectionary, we heard the twin passage to this one, found in Luke 17, verses 5 to 10. There, Luke describes the way masters and slaves interacted in his first century culture, as if it were obvious to all people everywhere that this is how things are. The slave works all day plowing and tending sheep and returns to the house to prepare and cook dinner for his master. Then the slave puts on his apron and serves his master while he eats and drinks. Later on, the slave eats and drinks. The point is that it would be ridiculous for a master to invite the slave to sit and eat. Which among you would do that, asked Jesus. No one, of course. And would you thank the slave? for doing what you had commanded him to do? Of course not, that's his job. Having drawn us into the parable, Luke's Jesus then drives home the point. So you also, when you have done all that you have been commanded to do, should say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. Suddenly that parable flipped things around we had been invited to identify with the master in the story. Which of you would say to his slave, come and take your place at the table? But by the end of the parable, we are the slaves and God is the one who is giving the commandments. So even that parable works in its quiet way to subvert our assumptions about the normalcy of a culture where some people are owned by others. Today's parable isn't quiet. It doesn't whisper. It shouts that God's ways are different from human ways. It announces the great reversal that is entailed in the coming of God's reign. But Luke's rhetorical strategy is consistent. He begins the parable with no clue that anything remarkable is about to happen. He invites us to enter into a thoroughly conventional situation, that of a master returning home, probably very late in the evening after a great wedding banquet. This time, we are not invited to identify with the owner of the household, but with the slaves who are keeping watch for their master to return. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Then the unimaginable is imagined. The unthinkable act of Luke 17 is exactly what the owner of the house does. Jesus says, truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt, 
and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. Here the master, who should be being served by his slaves, according to the conventions of first century Roman culture, acts like a slave to his slaves, the same way that Jesus acts like a slave when he washes the disciples' feet in John's Gospel. If this sounds strangely familiar, it may be because your Anglican heritage is kicking in. You may remember the African hymn from Ghana in our 1982 hymnal, it's number 602. Kneels at the feet of his friends, silently washes their feet, master who acts as a slave to them. Jesu, Jesu, fill us with your love, show us how to serve the neighbors we have from you. Or it may be because you remember George Herbert's beautiful poem, Love. Love bade me welcome, but my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, ungrateful, ah, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame? My dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. So friends, here we are, coming to God's table and telling the story of our sinfulness, but hearing back from God the story of the Son of Man who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We are indeed unprofitable servants, but in God's great mercy, all the humanly constructed conventions about slaves and masters are reversed and redeemed. At God's table, at God's table, we're going to be fed anyway, not because we are worthy, but because we are hungry and because for some strange and wonderful reason, we are deeply loved.